Thanks so much, Matt. If you could keep your Bibles open at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, that would be really helpful. It's on page 664. Page 664. This is the second in a series where we're going through the book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament. And small groups are doing Ecclesiastes. It's not too late to join a small group if you're not currently in one. Please speak to me or Matt afterwards. Let's pray. Father, we uh, know that you want us to be realistic about life as it is, what the writer calls life under the sun, our experience of life. And you want to do that and to enable us to see it as it really is, but to see it from your perspective. And so please help us to do that this morning. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I remember not long after we arrived in Australia and uh, we were walking along the cliffs and we came across one of those benches. It was on a headland and it was a fantastic view. And on the bench was a little plaque. And on the plaque it had the name of a person whose name I currently can't remember. But let's say she was called Jemima Puddledlum. And he said, Jemima used to come here every day and she came for 47 years and sat on that spot and looked out. And then he gave the date she was born and the date she was died. She died, 1977. And underneath, there was a little phrase. It said, forever in our hearts. And it struck me it reminded me. You can go to places that have incredible memories for you. I remember going somewhere that had very profound memories for me of happiness and joy and fulfillment. And it was as if the experience of the joy and the fulfillment was somehow attached to the place. And in one sense it was, but I remember going back and the scene was unchanged from all those years earlier. But the feelings were entirely different. See, it's a reminder to us, isn't it, that our lives are fleeting. And that nature doesn't recognize our existence See, the day will come when Jemima's bench will rot, and so will the plaque. And as the writer of Ecclesiastes puts it, her name will not be remembered. It will be as if she had never existed, but the view will almost certainly still be there. We live fleeting existences we are around for a short time. And that's what the message of Ecclesiastes is. So when the writer says, meaningless, meaningless, actually that's a conclusion rather than a translation. 
What he's really saying is that life is fleeting. Everything passes. And however much you achieve and however much you enjoy in this life under the sun, one day your life will have gone and no one will remember. Look at what he says in chapter 1. If you just flick back to chapter 1 and verse 11. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Nature doesn't remember you. It doesn't care about us. And one day it will be as if we had never been here. But nature will continue. The way that it works, the cycles of nature, however much we mess them up, they will still be there in some form or other. And so you have this amazing description, haven't you, at the beginning of chapter 1. Verse 4, generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. Sun rises and sets. I used to think that when the sun was shining, that somehow life was smiling on me, as if the sun was shining for me. Have you ever done that? And then I realized one day it wasn't. (laughs) And it would still be shining long after I've gone. The cycles of nature still continue, but we fleeting creatures that we are vanish without trace. The rivers flow and the sea is never full. By the way, I'm really pleased about that, aren't you? That there are cycles in nature. I'm really pleased that the sea doesn't get full. There was an English king called King Canute, and the story goes that Canute decided in a moment of sheer hubris, I think, that he wanted to control the sea because he was the king. And so he plonked himself by the beach in front of the sea and said, stop. And of course the sea didn't. But actually, Canute didn't need to have power over the sea. He just needed to move his seat further up the beach. Because you see, the rivers flow, but the sea is never full. The cycles of nature continue, but our life is fleeting. And in the end, nature wins out. However much we control things, however much knowledge and wisdom we have, in the end, nature will always, always trump us. The reason I mention this is because it brings us to the second of these life lessons from Ecclesiastes, and that is you can't change everything. You can't. We live in a culture that's been used to saying that sooner or later we can pretty much control everything. The answer is we can't control everything. We are fleeting, ephemeral creatures who one day won't be remembered. And nature will carry on. And so the writer says in chapter 1, Is there anything of which one can say, verse 10, look, there's something new? Well, no, it was here already long ago. He isn't talking about iPhones there. He's talking about how nature carries on pretty much as it's always done, but people come 
and go. And that means, that means you can't control everything about life. Those inspirational speakers who stand up and say things like, all you've got to do is follow your dream. Be true to yourself. They're great, aren't they? And some of us do need a well-positioned kick in our anatomy to get us up off the settee and away from the remote. We do need to do things. There are things we can do, but in the end, we can't change everything. And you know, have you noticed how life has its seasons? There are seasons in life. Seasons when life is going really well and you're enjoying life and it's full and exciting and then it changes. And while you're going through those seasons where things are well, you're enjoying your job, you're enjoying your family, you've reached a position in your career where you think, wow, that's fantastic. And you think you've reached some plateau where things have settled down, but things change. And a different season comes into your life, which may be a season of disappointment or a season even of tragedy and despair. That's what the writer is talking about in chapter 3 that Matt read to us earlier on. Chapter 3, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. There are seasons in life and we can't control them. There's uncertainty about what will happen to us. You see the life lesson? You can't control everything about life. We are frail, fleeting human beings. And there are seasons in life. Change will come to your life and to mine. And then there's something else. We talked about this last time. There is a twist in life. A twist in the sense that there are things that you plan and you plan for them really well. If you've done this, you, you take the best advice, financial advice, health advice, advice from a life coach. You ask all your friends, you ask the wisest people you know, you're not stupid and flippant about the way you approach things. And you make what seems to be the wisest decision and then it goes pear-shaped. And you think, where did that come from? How is that possible? I could never ever have seen that. The writer of Ecclesiastes gives some um, interesting examples of this, of things not always going our way. If you flick over to chapter 11 and verse 8, he says, whoever digs a pit might fall in it. It happens, doesn't it? There was no intention to fall in the pit. It was an accident. Whoever, whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Who would have predicted that? Strange things happen that you could never, ever predict. There is a twist in life that we can't control. 
Whoever quarries stones may be injured by them. Whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. But it's worse than that. It's not just that there are accidents and unforeseen circumstances. There's another twist in the world, and that is that there is evil and injustice in the world. And however much we try, we can't get rid of it. So he says in chapter 5, If you see the poor oppressed in a district and justice and rights denied, don't be surprised at such things. There's a twist in the universe, a moral and spiritual twist. There's injustice. There's pain that's caused by other people acting wrongly, and it goes to the very heart of every single one of us, all of us. Chapter 7, verse 29, which I mentioned last week, God created human beings upright but they have gone in search of many schemes. Chapter 7, verse 29. And that means there's no golden age to look back on. I've come across some people, and they've said things like, if only we could go back to the 50s. I've come across even stranger people who've said, if only we could go back to the 18th century. I have to say, for one, I'm really pleased I don't live in the, the 18th century. We have antibiotics, and most of them still work, and I quite like that. There is no golden age in the past. But what about the future? If human life carries on, will the world be a better place in 10 years' time? What do you reckon? 20 years' time? 100? 200? You know, there is something about human beings that's God-given, which is our capacity to change things. It is a God-given capacity to make things better. But the reality is that life under the sun will always be life under the sun. And that means it will be characterized by the fact that we are fleeting and insubstantial. It will be characterized, too, by those seasons in life that we cannot control. And it's characterized, too, by that twist in the world, in the experience of what it means to live life under the sun. So how then should we live? Because the title of the series, you remember, is It's a Beautiful Life. Ecclesiastes is meant to be positive. Somebody said to me last week, that was the most depressing sermon I've ever heard. (laughs) It wasn't any of you, honestly. Ecclesiastes is meant to be realistic, but not pessimistic. It's about telling us the life God has given us is a beautiful life. So, how then should we live our life under the sun? I've got four things for you. Number one, life's a gift. Life is a gift given to us. This life under the sun This fleeting, ephemeral experience of existence is a gift. It's entirely a gift from God. And it's to be enjoyed while we can, and if we can. So, chapter 3, verse 12. Just have a look a little bit further on. 
I know that there's nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. Life is a gift. And if you're in a period of life, a season of life, where you're enjoying your job and you're enjoying your relationships, enjoy it. It's a gift. But remember, it is entirely gift. Entirely gift. It's not because we deserve it. It's because God has given it to you. And remember this too. Everything changes. There are seasons in life. And there are seasons in our own life in terms of our passing. So whatever you have today, remember, it's passing. It will not last. Chapter 6, verse 6, I've seen another evil under the sun and it weighs heavily on mankind. God gives some people wealth, possessions, and honor so that they lack nothing their heart desires. But God does not grant them the ability to enjoy them and strangers enjoy them instead. Everything is passing. Everything is passing. Enjoy what you can while you can. It's gift. But remember, everything is passing. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians picks up about this when he's talking about marriage and relationships. And in chapter 7 and verse 29 following, he says, Some of you are married, and so let me tell you, those of you who are married should live as if you're not married. Now, he doesn't mean if your husband don't care about your wife or if your wife don't care about your husband. He's going to go on and talk about the relationship within marriage is really important. But what he's saying is this, whether you're married or single, live as if you weren't. Because, as he puts it, this world in its present form is passing away. Don't make anything or anyone in life under the sun the place of your stability, the source of your identity, and purpose. Everything is passing. So life's a gift to be enjoyed while we can, but it is, everything is gift. And remember, it's passing. Number two, your life under the sun has been given to you for your good. Your life under the sun, this fleeting, ephemeral life that's characterized by seasons, whether the experiences of a twist has been given to you by God for your good. Have a look with you at chapter 3 and verse 14. Verse 14. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear Him. To fear God doesn't mean to be quaking. It means to come to recognize who he is, to love him, to follow him, to devote yourself to him. Here's the thing. Your life has been given to you as gift by a good God because above all, he wants you to use this life to seek him and find him. Let me say that again. 
the most important reason God has given you life is not so that you enjoy it, is not that you achieve success or love or fame or money. You may achieve all those things, but he has given you your life most of all so you will use this brief life to seek him and come into a relationship with him. That's the most important thing in life. If you achieve everything else, all your dreams, but miss out on that, you have missed out on the purpose for your life that God has given to you. God has given you your life in all its experiences, some good, some painful, that above everything else you would seek God and come to know Him. Life's a gift. It's been given for your good. And it's a life that's given to live. To, to live. What I mean by that is, for some of you, that will mean living out this life in a period of joy and happiness and satisfaction. And you love life. You love your experiences of life. You love your marriage. You love your kids. You love your friends. You love your job. You are just having a ball. And for others of us, We may be living out our life in a time of uncertainty, of pain, of insecurity, of struggles, of disappointment, of tragedy. But this life under the sun has been given to you by God. If things are going really well for you, Enjoy it, but remember, it's passing. But if you're going through a time of tragedy or pain or disappointment or suffering or whatever it is, remember that too is passing. Everything is passing. And our call is to live out our life, whatever our circumstances. This life under the sun with the reality that it's Passing. Life's a gift. It's given to us for our good. It's a life that we are to live in whatever circumstances we find ourselves. And then here's the last thing. Jesus has changed everything. He has changed. He has changed our experience of life under the sun. See, life under the sun is passing the good and the painful. But one day, because of Jesus, there will no longer be any life under the sun. Instead, it will be resurrection and new creation. Jesus has brought in the new age, the age of the kingdom, to use 
one set of language. The age to come. He's brought that in now. In life under the sun. So Jesus lives life under the sun in order that this new life, this new experience that one day will come in all its fullness of resurrection and new creation will be our experience forever. Jesus changes everything. Life under the sun is passing. And the experience for those who come to know the Lord Jesus, who've given their lives to Him, who have used this life to seek God, if you like, will be resurrection, a new creation. No more tears, no more ephemeral existence, but a permanence and a solidity to everything. So I want to finish with some words, not in Ecclesiastes, but from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. And it's 1 Corinthians 15, and it's the end of this magnificent chapter about resurrection and new creation. Notice where he ends up. It's on page 1,155. 1,155. We'll pick it up from verse 50. So left-hand column near the bottom of the left-hand column. Last paragraph there. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, life under the sun and life in the kingdom are two completely different experiences of reality. Nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Jesus has brought about the announcement of the end of life under the sun and the beginning of resurrection and new life. And do you know what that means? For our life under the sun, it means this. It means it matters. That whatever we experience, whether it's good or bad, whatever the mixture, whatever the seasons we go through, we can live out our lives with hope, with joy, because life under the sun is passing 
and what we've begun to experience in the smallest possible way, but in a real way, is that future resurrection, new creation, and therefore life under the sun is not meaningless. It's not absurd. Look at how he ends up. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Why? Because of resurrection and new creation. Your life matters. Whatever you're going through, it's not meaningless. However disappointed you may be by your experiences in your job or in relationships or whatever it is, your experience of life under the sun is not meaningless. Therefore, stand firm, my brothers and sisters. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you will lift our hearts, lift our hearts to see the beauty of what you have given to us. And although we can never get our head around some of the complexities, and although we recognize our own frailty, we acknowledge. And Father, please help us to understand more and more the gift that this life is. And the goodness of your heart in giving us this life in all its complexity and confusion. And Father, please help us to live out our life in the light of resurrection, new creation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.